What's up, everyone, and welcome to Raise the Geek, your destination for the biggest geek news and reactions in movies, TV, comics, and gaming. This week, let's talk Peacemaker Season 1. Is this the peak of the DCEU? We also discussed the new trailer for Doctor Strange 2 and whether or not the introduction of the X-Men and the MCU is incoming. And by we, I mean Chris. And uh, let's go. And we're back. What is going on, everyone out there in podcast land? Thanks for checking out another episode of Raise the Geek. This is episode 45. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm here with my buddy Don. How are we doing, man? Chris, what is up today? My friend, doing okay. Pretty good. Can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) That's my usual answer, but it's always true. Uh, Doing all right, man. Everything is all right. Just... um, Ready to talk Peacemaker with you and have some fun. How are you? Not too bad. A little sleepy. Maybe maybe a little hungover from awards night at work last night. We had our own little Dundee's awards. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was trying to think. I was like, they had awards for the office. What was that called? Dundee's. That's it, Dundee's. So you had your version of the Dundee's last night. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) So became a little bit of a a long night. It was a good time. Got to see everybody that I normally see at work. but party it up well my question is what did you win did you win an award no damn it were you nominated i don't know i'm i would i would hope that i was at least in a discussion somewhere i did get my one year anniversary plaque for being there for so i got to walk away with something yeah okay well as long as you get to walk away as long as you left with something i left with a plaque i didn't get an award something to strive for for next year but I got a plaque and got a gift card for being there a year. So, well, that's something. And got a bunch of drinks. Can't beat that. A plaque and a drink. A plaque and a plaque drink. Drinks. Got to play some pickleball. What the hell is pickleball? It's like some weird mixture of uh, tennis and badminton. It's like you're play tennis, but you're with like a wiffle ball. Yeah. Uh-huh. But then there are seem to be rules which no one was playing by where I think after the first two volleys, you have to keep the ball in the air. So I think it starts as tennis and then turns into badminton in the middle, but I don't know. got to tell you, this sounds made up. It sounds like a hoax. Well, <laughs> sounds like a game. Someone just I went, invented. I went to a giant place that had a lot of pickleball courts. So. <laughs> it sounds like an elaborate hoax then. Could be. <laughs> could have, we could have been taken by it for a ruse. But they put us a bunch of good food and got to swing a racket at stuff. So, you know, very nice. But it's been a while since I've gone out and really drank in a while. So kind of feeling my age today. (laughs) Feeling those repercussions? A little bit. Nothing too bad. Just enough where I'm like, I just want to watch movies and lay on the couch. But the problem is, is I keep picking movies and they're terrible. We tried to watch Kimmy on uh, HBO. The movie's terrible. We made it like 30 minutes and I was like, nope, I'm done. I'm bored. Turn this off. Watched uh, The Inside Man, an old Spike Lee joint with Denzel Washington and Clive Owen. It was boring. I thought I think I liked that one. I can't remember, though. I think I I remember kind of enjoying that. Uh, But I don't know. Yeah, last night we watched Nobody. Okay. uh, 
Bob Odenkirk movie for the first time. Wife's a big fan of Bob Odenkirk and I like him too and like hadn't seen it yet. And I when I saw that runtime, it was like hour thirty. I was like, I'm in anything yeah. that's I'll watch. I thought it was all right. It was just kind of like a mindless, mindless action movie. Yeah. And then like spoilers for those who haven't seen it, like turn away now. But like at the end, to me, it just turned into um shoot him up home alone. Just <laughs> like he yep. set a bunch, set a bunch of like mouse traps and like things rigged to explain. And you got old 80-year-old Christopher Lloyd running around with shotguns. I was like, yeah. oh my God, what is this movie? Yeah, what is happening uh, right now? Yeah, it was fine though. Yeah, I was entertained by it. I watched it. I think I rented it and watched it twice because I think I put it on again. It's just an easy one to put on and have on in the background. But John, we got Doctor Strange 2, the only trailer that came out of the Super Bowl worth talking about because uh I think the X-Men are coming, so we have that to talk about, and we have basically a season one recap or our impressions of Peacemaker, because Peacemaker is now done, so we are going to talk about what we thought of the whole season, where we started, which was kind of like a what's happening, to where we might have ended, which might be a little bit more positive than we were expecting. So I'm definitely pumped up for that, but we want you guys to make sure you don't miss anything so you need to make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this podcast on all podcasts and social media services. Hit us up with those reviews. They take reviews now over in Spotify, so you can jump over to Spotify land, hit those five stars, give us some love so we can continue sharing with you all what we think about geek dumb. I'm not going to say geek world like I did last week. <laughs> I just did because it geek made the world. Get that geek world. And if you want to join the conversation... Hit us up on Twitter at Raise the Geek or shoot us an email at RaiseTheGeek at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. It's a journey, man. Thanks for thanks for hopping on with us, everybody. It's, it's fun. Let's do it. We are having a good time. And next stop is Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness movie coming out this May. We've talked about this, the Multiverse of Madness coming off of Spider-Man. We've talked about it after we got the initial trailer. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything new coming out of this, but the big story was that it seems like Marvel or the MCU is putting together the Illuminati and sounds like and almost being confirmed from every geek out there <laughs> um, mm -hmm. that... Patrick Stewart is in it as Professor X, and they're going to do the MCU version of the Illuminati. Yeah, no, you know, we almost don't even need every geek out there to confirm it because all you need is your ears to hear yeah. his voice in the trailer. I mean, it's right there for you, which does beg the question if that is what it sounds like and is as it appears. Was that too much of a reveal? We've always had this conversation. Is it, is it, have I been shown too much? Did the trailer spoil something that I would have rather seen in theaters? I guess that's a conversation that's up for debate. But the bigger thing is, you know, um, the reveal of, yeah, probably you got Professor X and that would lead you to believe the Illuminati are involved. Uh, the Illuminati are is a group of characters from the comic books um, that kind of get put together. Basically, what you think of when you think of the geniuses of the Marvel Universe, they all come together to to put their brains together to solve like the biggest mysteries and solve the biggest problems. So in the comic books, I know the roster kind of changes a little bit, but it's primarily been like Dr. Strange, but then you have um, Charles Xavier, Reed Richards, um, sometimes Black Panther, Tony Stark. Um, I think Black Bolt is invo involved a few times, Black Bolt from the Inhumans. So like, 
yeah, man, if they're if they're gonna do this in this movie, that's very interesting. Um, but then it, it gets confusing as well. What are we gonna actually see? Because the multiverse has shown itself to us to be very heavy with variants. Yeah. So if we do get an Illuminati, are these gonna be variants from different like universes or characters that we may see in the future of the mcu do you know what i'm saying yeah 100 percent. like yeah what what does any of this mean are we getting is this gonna going to be like the x-men incoming and we're doing this or is this just an evan peters like cameo from wandavision mm-hmm. where you're like oh shit quicksilver and then they they're gonna do the fox quicksilver in here as her brother and this was all cool and then it was just like oh no that was just a wink and a right. nudge for fanboys you know so it's one of those things where I don't know, most likely you're assuming it's going to be variants of some degree. And yeah, the, you, these ha- have to be one-offs. I don't imagine any of this really having anything to do with the longer or the bigger scheme of things. No, I don't imagine Patrick Stewart signing any kind of new contract saying I'm going to be in six new X-Men films or anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, I think it may be a combination of a wink nudge, but also, more storytelling in the future like if we do get reed richards is it going to be okay this is our read from the fantastic four movie that's going to come out or are they going to play around and be like well this is a variant read and we still don't know anything about the fantastic four movie or is it going to be our first inklings of that yeah um there's been rumors out there about a you know a tony stark variant who knows if that's going to happen and and I don't know, man, I'm hearing stuff about Deadpool now. And people are asking Ryan Reynolds if he's in this movie. And he's like, I promise you I'm not. And everyone's <laughs> saying, oh, you're like the new Andrew Garfield. You're saying you're not. We see you in the in the, in the the movie poster. I don't know, man. The potential for cameos for that movie is actually pretty wild. The, the amount of cameos they can do. And we still haven't seen anything with Loki or Kang or any other of the uh, multiverse like seeds that have already been set in any trailer or anything so man i really don't know what they're going to do in the movie it looks really cool uh the trailer looks like a lot of fun a lot of doctor strange action i love that uh sam raimi got a title card like i think he's the only only the second director to get a title card in the trailer with chloe zhao being the first one Mm -hmm. but they're saying like yeah this is a sam raimi film like yes thank you yeah i'm so so uh, pumped for that just that idea that he's doing this movie is just i I believe he's the second director because didn't they have somebody else that was originally going to do this yeah it was originally uh it got changed around changed hands maybe it was gonna be the guy who did the first one yeah yeah his name right now but um yeah so that's really cool a film a new film from him back into the comic book world and and the horror film world yeah horror the horror parts of it and <clears throat> Wanda, as we always suspected, Starla Witch is going to be very heavily uh, involved in this movie. She looks like she might be taking on kind of a villain role. Is she going to be a villain, an ally, or both? I don't know. But more Wanda is cool because I love where we left off with her at the end of WandaVision. Yeah. So I'm very hyped for that uh, film, man. Oh, yeah. See where we go, what we do. That's yeah. What we're here for. That is what we are here for. What, do you, what are you thinking, though, about the X-Men? Like, is this... Is this the window to introducing the X-Men to the MCU, or is it just going to kind of be a throw Professor X in there as part of the Illuminati, and then we'll figure it out later? I think that's what it is. I think it's, I think the they're creaking the door open to at least introduce mutants and that idea. 
to mm-hmm. the current MCU and to Doctor Strange to understand. So when they do bring them in, but I can't imagine this being like a full on, hey, here comes Wolverine, here comes Cyclops. And I mean, I still don't know what the mutants and the X-Men, I mean, that's its own universe and world in its own. I don't know how you bring all of that into the MCU in one. I just can't imagine them doing like, oh, X-Men, here's an X-Men movie. Like, it just doesn't feel... No, like that's something that's in the plans anytime soon. So I think that opening the door, introducing mutants it slowly, um, this is a good first step or second step, depending on where you want to consider mutants coming in with, uh, I know there are lots of talks of Madripoor and stuff for the Winter Soldier and kind of letting people know they've done little teases about mutants being within this universe. So now, you know, I think this is just going to be a first big step and it is a big moment to have Patrick Stewart come back he is going to be the Professor X. And I mean, I don't know how else you do another Professor X after this, but. <laughs> yeah, unless you're bringing back James McAvoy to do some stuff. But like Wanda, Wanda also seems like the logical choice for bringing mutants back in. Because mm-hmm. she's, had, she's had a lot to do with, uh, you know, the House of M in the comics. She's the one who killed all the mutants. You know what I mean? And she's a mutant herself, really, in the comic books. They yes, Magneto's played, daughter. So, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> they just haven't played that angle in the MCU because they couldn't because of all the Fox stuff. But now that that's all resolved, it's like, oh, well, this is this could be the perfect way to kind of bring it in with her with her magic and the multiverse. And um, like you said, just creak the door open a little bit, plant the seeds, and we'll see where we go from there. So, yeah, it's all pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I can't, can't be more excited for an MCU movie than Dr. Strange. It's been a long time since we've gotten Dr. Strange. The other thing that's really crazy is that how important it seems like what if is ultimately going to be for this movie. Yeah. Cause it almost seems like they're pulling characters straight out of that comic or cartoon and putting it into this. There's, you know, uh, rumors of captain Carter being in this because I guess her shield is part of the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about her being one of the Illuminati or one of these main people, um, we've already seen basically what Supreme Strange um, pop yeah. out almost looks like he's straight from the cartoon coming out going, hey, I'm here now. So lots of just different lots of winks and nods towards that universe, which is kind of crazy because they told us what if was going to be canon and very important to watch. But then at the same time, you watch it and you're like, all right, we'll see. And now the idea that they're going to live action a lot of those characters is kind of awesome. Yeah. It would make what if seem more important in the long run. If you look back at it and be like, well, we wouldn't have had what happened in Dr. Strange if it wasn't for the captain Carter episode of what if, you know, yeah. it makes it, it makes it feel more important than it felt at the time. Well, so it gives, that would you, be- it gives you introductions to these characters. Cause now technically captain Carter can walk onto screen and you know who she is or what her backstory is. And you, you're aware of all that stuff. So you're just immediately not confused. And it's just kind of an awesome way to do a bunch of origins really quickly. Right. And then makes sense. So, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see how much that actually works or matters in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah, we're on the same page with this, man. My only, my only wish is that this movie was coming out in March, like what was originally planned. Then we still got to wait till May. It yeah, was originally they needed, a Mars release, They needed to get away from the Batman. I, you think so? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I don't know. It seems weird that Marvel would run. Right. But it is the Batman. So, I mean, Batman does its thing. And they, they're Marvels and Disney are used to having their 
the box office to themselves. So why why release it right on top of Warner Brothers and the Batman? Could be onto something. Could be onto something. Well, we're gonna have them both here before the summer. So oh yeah. I'll- and we're almost already to March. So it'll be like I said, the Batman's already what next week? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we'll be fine with that. But Don, we got some Peacemaker to talk about over on HBO Max finished its first season. We have a lot of thoughts and theories and conversation to have about that. So we are about to jump into that. But before we do, we want to make sure you know that this episode of Raise the Geek is sponsored by Anchor.fm. All right, let's talk Peacemaker season one. And the biggest takeaway I can tell you that I learned from this show that I'm going to take with me Across my whole life, Don, is that there is no bad time to rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's the lesson learned. That was the moral of the story. There's no bad time to rock. Good advice, then. Good advice from your from your buddy Peacemaker and James Gunn. Uh, Strong. Put on some '80s hair metal when you're riding into battle and get yourself psyched. Why not, man? yeah i'll take uh, what you're gonna get that tattooed on your body somewhere that's oh yeah i already did (laughs) no Uh, time to rock with john cena's face as a big chest piece right in the middle yeah just yeah brock (laughs) lesnar style giant chest tattoo was a dagger nice i'm I'm super cool i got the body for it be all right (laughs) shut Uh, that off all right don so we are This is the back half. We already did talk about the initial. We kind of had some mixed reactions. I know we had you and I had a very love hate with the first three episodes of this show where we were very confused as to where the show was going, coming off of the Suicide Squad movie. And where do you go with a character like Peacemaker? And is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What is his motivations? What is his, you know, story, his backstory, which obviously in the first three issues or episodes, we didn't have that. So it was very confusing, you know, and as I said before, pretty much we had a love-hate relationship where I know I personally loved some aspects and hated others, and it was very confusing. And and I think that's kind of where we ended the last conversation where we're going to keep watching, but we don't really know why or what to expect. But I can say, at least for myself, finishing off the season, this really ended up being one of the better shows that I've watched and actually turned into i need to watch this all the time (laughs) yeah man that's a good take uh i think i looked back at my notes from our when we reviewed the first four episodes and i think like my overall lasting thought at the end was i don't love this show and then but then i put yet but then so but after watching the last four it's like okay now the yet has come i do love it now yeah Uh, it this, this became a show to to love over those final four episodes and when you look at it as a whole it's just man it was it was just good television like no matter how much i wanted to fight it or not believe that it could be a good show just because you know peacemaker come on it's an obscure character from the suicide squad movie that was just all you know guts and jokes and whatever and he's just kind of like a little side guy for more guts and whatever guts and blood and just the comic relief. Like, how can they really make a show I'll care about out of this guy? Yeah. Man, somehow they somehow they did it over over eight episodes, made a real fan out of me. And it's just crazy to me. Like, and I mean, it's a John Cena show. <laughs> it, 
that too that it's a john cena show but like the bigger crazy thing to me that we'll like we can swing back around to later but i feel more connected to peacemaker in the dceu than almost any other character like from any movie from any dc movie like i love superman i love batman but like i don't feel like a connection with them like but we've had now eight episodes of chris smith's journey like peacemaker where i feel like i know him better than those characters you know what i mean and i i like sympathize and and just feel for him more than i feel for batman that's like weird to me yeah very weird (laughs) if you look at the dc eu that we've talked about many times yeah this is how is it that he is peacemaker is the best character and i mean really is this the peak is this the best of the DCEU? It is right now. <laughs> like That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That is just so crazy. If you would have told me, hey, we're going to give you guys a Batman versus Superman movie. We're going to give you a Justice League movie. We're going to give you a four-hour Justice League cut. We're going to do Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman, and, and you're going to tell me Peacemaker. But the best thing is going to be Peacemaker. Yeah. A character that we just laughed at the first time we saw him with his ridiculous helmet in the Suicide Squad, uh, like character clips like that looks so stupid. Yeah, I know we said that. And now we're looking at now we're looking at that same character being like, he's awesome. I love it. I want more. Uh, It's it's kind of wild to think about. It's absolutely it's insane. It's it's unthinkable. It's on you're just that idea would have is unfathomable. Like you couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't tell me, you couldn't come from the future and tell me, hey, John Cena <laughs> with a toilet seat on his head being Peacemaker is going to be better than Batman versus Superman. All right. But it is. It's crazy. If crazy. I could have put money on something, made a, like a multiverse bet with myself or yeah. well, somebody with more money. <laughs> I don't know. I, but I, we're yeah. not alone in these thoughts because uh, the finale actually set a single day viewership record for HBO Max. And the finale viewing was actually up 44% over the premiere. So this is actually the biggest like success for HBO Max and DC. So, I mean, it, what they did worked because, yeah, it started real slow. But by the end of this, the audience kept coming and kept coming and growing throughout all eight episodes. So that's kind of crazy to think that Peacemaker is the most watched immediate show on HBO Max. Like they didn't get anything else. Nothing's mm-hmm. been out yet that's surpass this this. like this is the best so far that's just crazy to think too yeah and it just goes to show like i think word of mouth kind of helped this show uh for people who might not have been interested at the beginning i think a lot of talk about the intro in in like the twitter world and online got people interested and people just like reposting that thing like dude check this out this is so hilarious and people saw that like oh I, i guess i maybe should watch this show yeah that's just proof in the numbers there at the end. If the finale is that much more of a percentage or the um, premiere premiere views. So, right. um, and, and people have to want to stick with the show for it to end up with those kind of finale numbers. So yeah, I mean, 44% those, higher yeah, than yeah. who showed up for episode one showed up for episode eight. All right. So you're almost, you know, 50% more almost. So almost. Uh, yeah, I mean that's just a that's just a kudos to them on good making a good show. People aren't going to tune in for crap like that, you know what I mean? So that just proves our point that this show has been getting better and better 
since the beginning to now and it just kind of like hit its stride there towards the middle and just went out with a bang in a great way the the finale was fantastic i think i loved i i, I love speculating where this show is going to go which we're going to talk about just like yeah kudos to james gunn a guy that we've had uh issues with in the past but then it makes me wonder like he's a film director but is he is he made for tv do you think at this point does he does it seem like he's has he mastered the way to tell a superhero story in television format i mean it seems like it he did better with this than he really did i mean definitely with the suicide squad but i mean he was here he was focusing i mean he still had a team in this one but you know suicide squad had a lot of more moving parts and was a bigger story ultimately but not really i mean having these eight episodes to really be able to dive into things a lot deeper always helps but it's hard to make it entertaining so i mean he definitely at least with this one struck a very nice balance by the end it didn't start off that way though so i mean it becomes that hard thing where when did people jump into this show because it's now you know bingeable technically so it was like did people jump back in and watch three four five episodes back to back to back because then it's going to flow a lot better where we watched episode one and then we watched episode two then we watched episode three you know it's like right or did they drop all those at one time I think one, two, three. I think the first three were out at the same time, but no, I get your point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of asked the question because we know James Gunn to be a, he's a competent comic book adaptation storyteller. We already yeah. knew that. Well, no matter what you think of him, if you think Suicide Squad was too gross and when he was given the R rating, was it just like too much for his twisted mind? Uh, but he still made a good movie. You can look past all that. Like you can wade through all the blood and the guts and all that. He still made a good movie. And we know the Guardians movies were good. But then he's like given this television series format to tell a story now. It's like, well, okay, now I have eight hours to work with instead of two. I have eight hours to work with instead of two and a half. So we knew he could tell a good story. And now he's given these tools to be able to well, now let me know who these characters are a little bit more. You know what I mean? Let me know why Chris is doing what he was. Show me his backstory. Show me why he hates his dad. Why, um, how he became the way he is. Why he doesn't want to, you can't do that in Suicide Squad. They couldn't do that with him. He, had, he probably had, you know, 20 minutes of screen time in the Suicide Squad. So in this show, when you have eight hours to actually delve into him as a character, like James Gunn has shown me, yeah, he can tell a good story and knows how to and like, keep me entertained and, and just tell a good story. Well, and I think, I think what we're starting to see over this last year or two is that I think a lot of these superheroes do work better with the series, you know, because we've talked about this many times with Loki having six hours, Captain America, you know, or the winter soldier and uh, Falcon having six hours to tell that story was so much more impactful than if they would have tried to cram that into a movie. So it's one of those things where it's kind of turning into is TV the medium, the perfect medium for, for superheroes? Yeah. I mean, regardless yeah. of who does it, but I mean, for the most part, these have all been a lot better than, not better than the movies, but different and uh, definitely from a story. Right. Um, you're no, I, totally to know, I totally know what you're saying, man. Like the movies can, you can have a big action piece that you're not going to get on Disney Plus or HBO Max. Yeah. That's what those are awesome for. We love seeing that stuff. We love seeing the big scene at the end of Spider-Man and the big fight in the Eternals. You can't get that on Disney Plus really the same way. Yeah, you don't have that epic scale, but 
right. you have the personal connection, the intimate settings, the you really get to know these characters more. And I think from a storytelling perspective, I mean, so many of these movies come out and people love them, people hate them. But a lot of times you can still kind of look at them like, oh, it was super good. But at the same time, did they do anything? You know, we talked about this with like Black Widow. Black Widow came out. It was fine. It was big, large scale. But did you do anything? Did it need to be told? You know, I mean, there were so many negatives with that story that you're just like, did this need to get told? But if they would have done something with like an eight episode show and they could have yeah. dove into some of those characters and actually fleshed out the villain. I mean, we've talked about the villain problems that the MCU has. And I mean, being able to take the time to develop these villains over six, eight episodes, you know, might be yeah. better. I mean, if they would have done a Peacemaker movie, would it have been as good? Probably not. No. So, I mean, I definitely think James Gunn, in my opinion, shined with this under this medium, the TV. But I think superheroes in general seem to be striving on this platform. And I'm enjoying these shows more than the movies almost. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm with you there. And I enjoy the movies a ton too. That's what we've had for the past like this the superhero shows is kind of new. Yeah. At least at least to this level. You know, there's been CW shows that whatever, all those little crap shows. But like this level of prestige <laughs> pissed off like so many people. I don't care. This like <laughs> level, this like this level of prestige comic book show we haven't had you know wandavision kind of kicked it off yep and now now we're in this place now we're okay now i'm confident that if done right dc can make a damn good show too if they want to which is exciting because you know i want to like the dceu as much as the mcu probably will never happen but i want to you know i want them to have good stuff so this is really i'm really happy that this turned out to be something i enjoyed so much absolutely i can't even can't even argue that one. Not that I even want to. But I think going into that a little bit deeper, but coming and bringing back around to Peacemaker here is, I mean, we were able to learn this entire character's history. You know, we started our our idea with Peacemaker, and I know we struggled with the humor and we struggled with a lot of the racism and sexism and jokes, and we're like, is this just James Gunn's humor or? Does this and I know you mentioned during our last one that, you know, it looks like we're heading this path of like what happens to someone who is raised a certain way from somebody who might have bigoted, you know, ideas and, you know, this idea that, you know, Chris Smith was raised by basically the white dragon, you know, his father was basically like a KKK superhero. <laughs> so, I mean, you're raised Augie. by uh, yeah Augie. So, I mean. <laughs> you're raised by someone like that. How does that affect you? And you, you couldn't really tell in the first couple of episodes, but yeah, you were definitely hit the nail on the head with that, that by the time we came back around, I mean, that's really what this show was about, was about the, you know, psychological damage that that you know, peacemaker Chris Smith went through as a child and how you try to overcome that. And by the end of this show, he was able to make a decision for himself. And uh, whether or not it was the right decision or not, it was something that he chose to do. And the whole his whole life was spent doing what he felt others wanted him to do for peace, for the greater good. And it's 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 a hell of an arc that the, this character went on for these eight episodes that we were able to watch. And like you said, it made it by the time you hit the end. I'm just like, I love this. Like this was you felt yeah. like you went, you saw something important. You saw like an emotional journey that this character went on. I mean, when he wasn't cracking jokes with his team, he was sitting at his house 
just haunted by memories of his childhood and haunted by memories of his father. And he was just drinking. Like <laughs> he was not yeah. always lo- lighthearted, just cracking jokes and murdering folks, you know? Yeah. He's like, I mean, on the outside, he's an immature bro, you know, making fart jokes and stuff with him and vigilante back and forth. But really deep down, he was like a troubled guy who the more episodes we got in, the more we saw, yeah, this is what happened to him. This is why he's traumatized. Oh, this is why his dad is such an asshole. And, but, you know, he still wants his approval even as an adult. But his dad is just like such an asshole that he just keeps pushing him further and further away. And, and we just learned, you know, the motivations of how he became how he is. It was a, I know we have, we say origin stories can get kind of stale, but this is one I was invested in just because, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know why Peacemaker was the way he was. Is he just some, you know, wisecracking jerk? And it, it turns out that no, he's not. He's just like a guy who kind of wants to belong and just does what he's good at because he was raised that way. But deep down, he wants to change and doesn't want to do these things. You know, he even revealed he doesn't even want to kill people anymore. He's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's, he's still down for protecting innocent people from threats like the butterflies and aliens and things like that. But he doesn't want to he doesn't want to pull the trigger anymore on, on like a child or something like he said before, he doesn't want to be that guy. So we, we saw his growth from the beginning of the series and back to suicide squad all the way to the end. It was a hell of a journey, man. And John Cena did a great job. I'll say Um, from beginning to end, I really, any, any doubts that I had about him uh, were pretty much proven wrong in this show, showing me that he could, he can carry a, a vehicle or a property or a series or a movie like the dude the dude is actually really good at this so, so um so yeah man i'm I'm totally with you yeah. and all the stuff with augie and the white dragon i love that story well yeah and just really seeing where that that built because they the way that they did it was they were always showing his backstory and you knew something he had a brother and you knew that his brother was basically favored to his dad but then you knew that they were raised a particular way and with particular beliefs. And then you knew something happened to his brother and they would always show these like flashback scenes, but you never knew what happened. You're like, all right, his brother died. His dad blames his brother for, he blames Chris Smith for killing his, or not killing his brother, but trying to blames him for the, his brother's death and has always held that against him. And then as the episodes progressed, we ultimately saw that he killed, his, you know, Chris Smith killed his brother. And that's mm-hmm. why his dad's not there. And then it came back around that, oh, well, his dad had them fighting each other in a pit, like, you know, like, as all the KKK members were placing bets. And it was just like good hearted fun, you know, and then it just went too far. And that's just a crazy s- ride that you went on step by step as they uncovered each layer. It was kind of more and more traumatizing and dramatic. Yeah, and I, I own, we say this for every episode, and I don't think we've said it yet, but spoilers, if we haven't spoiled anything for you yet, because I'm going to talk a spoiler right here. Um, it was cool at the one part where we finally did, when Augie started going down that path where you're like, yeah, he's going to put on the White Dragon suit again mm-hmm. and come after Chris. And then he finally did. White Dragon's pretty cool. All right, he's like a neo-Nazi Iron Man <laughs> flying through the air. Yeah, um, it was crazy <laughs> but i was just so happy so 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 happy that chris did kill his ass like i didn't think he was going to but like if anybody deserved to die it was him i know it was hard probably hard for him to do but like the fact that he did be like dude you ruined my life i didn't kill my brother you killed him yeah like and 
and his dad still being defiant up to the end like you don't have the guts to boom like, yeah. still took him out anyway i love that i was like yes i know you don't want to kill people anymore but if anyone deserved to die it's that asshole yeah so, right well, and then fun. they then they brought it right back around as he's on his knees crying at the body of his father who he just killed and then you have vigilante asking him why does your face look like that <laughs> Yeah, yeah you're doing your face exercises and then uh Konimos is like uh dude he's crying he just killed his dad oh, <laughs> oh okay okay that makes more sense yeah vigilante is hilarious yeah having someone who really is a psychopath and has zero emotions and empathy he was just a fun character we had a lot of fun characters in the show when i think with vigilante one of the things too was i mean we didn't really dive too much into his character the last time but i mean having this guy who is basically a vigilante um running around being masked didn't want anybody including peacemaker to know his identity and it sounded like there was all these kind of like back stories of the two of them just going on crazy murder sprees to try to i mean he really kind of felt like he was underneath peacemakers kind of umbrella of hey we're going to kill anybody we have to that we think is bad and anybody thing we have to to get the job done to be heroes even though you're really just murderers but having him be so bloodthirsty slash unempathetic to other people and just kind of a psychopath to really be able to do what you needed to do. But then at the same time, make him, he even had a character arc throughout this where, I mean, he started to feel and pay attention to some of those things. But I mean, obviously the, the biggest perk with Vigilante was he was kind of the root or highlight of a lot of the action that happened mm-hmm. in this show. And I mean, I know coming off of Peacemaker when I know they were running through the uh, from the cops running through the woods when the cops went to arrest Chris Smith in the mi- middle of the show and eagerly and vigilante were just like attacking all these cops as they were trying to run. And it was just kind of an insane scene watching eagerly fly down and really whoop some ass. And then vigilante doing the same thing while Chris Smith doesn't really want to attack the cops. So it was kind of just this weird yin and yang of these characters and their action and the action hey, in the show is really good. It's the long way around is what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Vigilante and Eagle are kind of his two go-to sidekicks, you know. Vigilante kind of fills the role of Chris's little brother in a way. Yeah. Like the, the bickering back and forth between each other. And then Eagle, you know, this is just like trusted pet. It was just hilarious to see all the stuff he does every time uh, that thing's on screen. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And yeah, the action in the show is just top notch i would say for for a comic book show um i'll i'll put the action in this show up against almost any other comic book show i've seen i mean um the fight with harcourt versus judo master i loved that fight the whole the whole final scene where you know we got the wigwam theme song coming back again for a reprise where it's where it's Harcourt and Chris and um, Peacemaker all versus these butterflies, like the, the body snatcher butterflies at the end. Like that was so freaking cool. Just the way all this stuff Chris is doing with the shield. And like, instead of Captain America using his shield to bounce off of people, Chris's shield is like cutting people's heads off. Yeah. And he's like shooting it into people. And, and you got Peacemaker flipping around like a badass Spider-Man Deadpool and Harcourt just doing her thing. Like so good, man uh stuff you would expect to see in a high quality comic book movie but we got it right here on a tv show um it was shot so well and creative and just engaging and nothing overstayed its welcome like these fights didn't drag on they didn't go i mean they were just 
nice, quick, well choreographed just action sequences. And when they happened, they were just fast and fierce, man. Yeah, yeah. And so everything about it worked. Um, <clears throat> people are always nervous about R-rated superhero stuff, but this really used that to its advantage, I think, and just was some great stuff in there, stuff I'll really um, think about you know, in the future, like that was great. That peacemaker shit was great. Yeah. And I know we talked about like eagerly. I love the fact that whenever he wanted someone to get eagerly's attention, he said, crinkle a bag. He'll think you have chips. And the response was always, why are you feeding this eagle chips? <laughs> and they did that like three or four times. He'd tell people to do that. Crinkle a bag. He'll think you have chips. Why are you feeding right. your eagle chips? <laughs> Economos didn't like that idea. No. Uh, that yeah. When good. that bird was kept poking at Economos to get in the car. And they just kept attacking him in the back seat while the other two characters were just having a conversation in the front seat when Vigilante and Peacemaker were arguing in the front and the Eagles just attacking this dude in the back seat. I was like, man, just kept cracking me and, up. And you know what? The key to good CGI is for me to see it and not think about that I'm looking at CGI. Yeah. That's clearly clearly a CGI Eagle this yeah. entire show. But like the way it kind of just ran fluid through the whole thing and didn't seem so so fake even though it's doing fake things just in for com comedic purposes mm -hmm. i appreciated that you know what i mean that uh they like kind of just blended the cgi seamlessly enough where it was like well i know c i know eagerly is just made on a computer but it's still cool that he's doing all this stuff you know oh yeah i thought it, he worked well for the comedy he worked well for some emotion there were big pivotal moments of the show with him hugging peacemaker a couple times especially at the end um where out of bio was like i just saw an eagle hug a man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. take it as a sign that i need to do this so there's just lots of good moments that they did with this cgi bird and i loved it, it made me yeah, feel me too, man. man i wasn't expecting to feel anything watching this show me too and and you know the first time we saw peacemaker he's he's blending with a lot of superheroes um he's on he's on task force x he's in the suicide squad but this show, he's, he's just kind of, it's him and a team of agents. And we didn't know how that exactly was going to work. But I got to say, all the agents in this show, like, pulled their weight and did their part. So I'm kind of transitioning to talking about the agents here. You know, we had Mern and uh, Harcourt and Economos and everybody on the team out of bio. They all just kind of seemed like a nice unit. And at the end, it just, they kind of blended into a family unit. And, and what I really liked was that each side character plot, they all had a plot and a, a story that we didn't, weren't sure was going to pay off in the end. And for the most part, everybody kind of got their payoff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, everybody had their motivations. Everyone had an arc that did come to conclusion and everybody learned something from somebody else. You know, they all had their preconceived notions. They all had their their stereotypical, you know, thoughts about each individual person, but they all kind of learned something about themselves, which was kind of a cool, cool ability to have five characters that all kind of went on a journey of self-discovery that you don't normally, you rarely, a lot of shows can barely give you one character, let alone five. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like Harcourt was presented to us as like this hardcore, which you thought that was her name. For I thought that was her name. So <laughs> I sent the text and you're like, what are you talking about, Chris? Who the hell is hardcore yeah. uh yeah but she was presented as like a hard ass but then she lightens up towards the end and you know we finally see her crack a smile and she likes being part of the team and um 
<clears throat> Economos, you know, the running joke through this whole thing is Chris keeps calling Economos die beard and making fun of him. And that's his way of making fun of him. Die beard, die beard, just being like a jerk and a bully. And then in the last episode, like he finally breaks down and be like, yeah, I dye my beard because like I feel old and I don't feel like I don't look right in my own skin. And like, I didn't think anybody noticed until somebody made it obviously clear. And then they show Chris and he's like, oh my God, I've been hurting this guy's feelings. And that makes Chris kind of question what he's doing. Like, yeah, I am kind of an asshole sometimes. So, you know, he had his full full circle thing, Economos. And, and then Adebayo, like her whole story with uh, being the daughter of uh, Amanda Waller and, and whatever. And I think at the core of this show, really the friendship that comes between Adebayo and Chris is one of the main ones that really sticks in the end, like two people from two different worlds and they, and they learn to see the good in each other. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and especially when we go back to how Peacemaker was raised from a racist father and all of those things. So, I mean, there's, there's a whole other thing where, you know, when he was raised with sexism and racism, and now you have this lesbian black woman that mm -hmm. that's just two completely different walks of life. So they're gonna butt heads into how they talk to each other and what they think about each other. So the idea that you're able to see these both of these characters got to sit down and really see how the other one thinks and why and able to come together, which was just yeah, awesome, awesome team building storytelling. Yeah, man, just just more just like like we said at the beginning, this is just more ways that James Gunn really was able to use the TV format to kind of explore emotional relationships and friendships and and um, relationships with family. That's that's just why it all worked for me. Um, yeah. Plus, Adebayo got to be the human tor torpedo and that killed me. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at the human torpedo gag with the, her helmet when she did it. And Chris was like, no, don't do it. And she just, man, she just went flying with her head first. And they put that like blue light around her and she just went yeah. flying. She's like, oh, and she just crashed yeah. into the wall. I was laughing so freaking hard. Like, is she dead? She yep. can't be dead. Thought she was dead. <laughs> She just crashed yeah. into that wall so hard. And then when she came stumbling a hall, all concussed, and then Chris sent her flying again, I was like, God, that is so funny. Activate human torpedo. She's like, oh, hell no. Nah. Yeah, and she went, she went flying through that cow. <laughs> and she fell cow. out. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That was good, man. That, that gag got me. So got me good. I was laughing pretty hard. I think I had to pause the show. Me too. And the, the, as far as gags go, the show's actually really funny too, man. Like, and the immaturity jokes kind of subsided a little bit for me. I don't know if they did for you. Like, I didn't feel as much that I was watching like too much raunchiness as I was in the first half yeah. as I was in the second half. It kind of got more, the more we got into it, the, the less I felt quote unquote offended, even though I never was offended, but just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, don't know I think you, I think you learned the characters a little bit more. But then, as you got to know them, then you kind of understood why they were doing some of those things. But then, some of it just was funny, and they yeah. just would run it on long enough. Like when when uh, Peacemaker couldn't stop naming people because yeah. uh, he was like, "You had to frame my dad for this. You couldn't. I couldn't." Economos was like, "I couldn't think of another person," and he yeah. just started naming people. He was like Ariana Grande and Big Bird and Ernie and Bert. <laughs> And yeah. they did that, ran that gag for so long. I, I just like to believe in my head that that was all um, improvisation from him. I hope it was. I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. 
because that was hilarious especially when like he would name names that were like connected like where you could tell it was like i can't think of a perfect example right now but he'd say one but then say another one was like well he got to that name because of that name yeah i was like oh man that's comedic genius uh i would imagine a large chunk of that was improv um but yeah you didn't i don't think they they split up the humor and as it went along i either like said we got used to it or we knew where the reasons was in the first episode, they were just making racist jokes. And I'm like, I don't know this character. I don't know the motivations. Am I supposed to be laughing at this? Well, no, he wasn't telling jokes. He was just an asshole, you know, and he was an asshole. So, I mean, it wasn't like Augie turned into a character that we were supposed to like in the long run. You know, he was a character we were always supposed to hate. So that's why he was saying those things, but watching the first couple episodes with no backstory, I didn't know anything about this character and that the, the way that the show was going, it was like, are these the jokes? Am I supposed to be enjoying this? So I 100% agree with that. The only thing that was funny was my wife didn't watch this show with me. But then she was like, well, just put on the finale. I'm going to go to sleep. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I put on the finale. And of course, the finale opens with like the only fart joke of the entire series <laughs> yeah. where they just wouldn't stop uh, making fart noises when Adebayo was trying to talk. And I'm sitting there and my wife is not a fart joke very kind rarely does a fart joke work for not her. Not a kind of of the fart joke. No, there's there's a few that are okay, but there's very not very many. You tickle her fancy. So that one coming out and going so long, I was sitting there like, well, of course, this is how I never get her to want to watch this show. Yeah, she's probably like, yeah, this is why I didn't want to watch it. I knew what this was going to be. Yeah, just, yeah, whatever. You're an idiot, Chris. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> I was yeah. like, of course. But I did feel I did feel that it kind of waned a little bit there towards the end, which I appreciated. The deeper we got and the more serious tones we started dealing with, the kind of immaturity just kind of faded out a little bit. But Um, they bring it back in waves. When it it did come back, it wasn't as in your face as it was in the beginning of the series. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I can I can see that. Now, no good superhero can do without a, a good villain. So, I mean, we had the butterflies were ultimately the big bad for this show. So how did that make you feel? How did, how did, is this, was it too similar to Project Starfish and the space starfish was another alien invasion kind of too much? Would you have preferred to see something else? Did this work for you? How, how do you feel about the, just the butterflies overall? Yeah. And you know what, before I even start there, I, I think I could also say, you can you can almost question like if they were the true big bad of the show because they did end that thread in the last episode so it's like yeah it makes sense or was it white dragon so there were a couple different ways you could have gone in this um yeah because really was the butterflies the bad guys you know ultimately they had their reason that was just like the last thing chris dealt with but i totally know what you're saying yeah the butterflies were were big um and I didn't really think about it being too similar to Suicide Squad before, but now that you mention it, yeah, starfish and butterflies are kind of similar in the way that they're like the body snatchers kind of a thing where yeah. they just take over humans. It's the same exact thing. Um, I was just more impressed that James Gunn found a way to mix in like alien science fiction to a, to a show about a, like a crude hitman who just murders people. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? we didn't we didn't really see anything like this coming um when this show was announced like i didn't think this was going to be a show about aliens snatching human bodies no so that's i'm impressed with that but yeah the butterflies were cool the uh actress who played the detective i think her name was like annie 
Chung or um, something like that who played Detective Song. Yeah. Um, she was she was good, man. She she and she kind of played two different roles in this entire show. She was like the detective for the first half, and when then when Goff took her in, she became a whole new character. So really, she should get two credits for this, right? Um, yeah, it was Annie Chang. Annie Chang. Okay, I apologize, but um, yeah, man, it was cool. And you always got to have kind of like a horde of of people just running at your superheroes, and that's kind of what the butterflies represented in this show. You get the big cow. You know, the big thing that he has to destroy. Um, so, yeah, I, I had no problem with that. I thought it was it was fun. Just, you know, stuff for our superheroes to stab and shoot and work through a big horde of evil, mindless people. So, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, I, I thought they had some cool imagery. I thought they were menacing when they needed to be menacing. And then I liked that there was depth to those because even the butterflies had an arc because you had Mern, who ended up being a butterfly. Yeah. And then uh, who Mern was their director of their group. So it was when they revealed that he was a butterfly. You're like, oh, shit, that was one of the cliffhangers on one of these episodes where you're like, he is he a bad guy? And what is he? And um, they kind of played that arc through. And he had his reasons for why he was turning on the butterflies and turning on his own people to um, save humanity. And he painted a picture of what the butterflies did. But then we come around to the butterflies. And by the end, they were sitting there trying to figure out what they were going to be, you know, be. And Chris was trying to figure out if he was going to destroy this cow and basically kill all these aliens that, you know, with their food source being gone. And then he's sitting there going, listening to Goff do this giant thing saying, hey, well, we're, we're not really trying to take over your planet. We just want to help make the decisions for you that you don't want to make to help save your planet. So we can all live here together. And so help us help us, which then of course he didn't. And it was his first, as I said earlier, his first kind of big decision that he made for piece of what he thought was right, as opposed to what other people are telling him is right. So it was a big moment for him, but was it the right moment? I don't know. That's the one thing I will say, if I do have any small complaint about the show is just that speech. Yeah. That, she gave as Goff it came off to me a little preachy, a little preachy, just because it was kind of reflecting current events. Hundred percent reflecting. Which, which, event. which James Gunn is, you know, he's an outspoken guy. I don't blame him for putting it in there. But you know, they were talking about things like, um, uh, you guys are ignoring science in favor of populist leaders, and you're valuing profit over survival, treating minor inconveniences as assault on your freedom. Like this is all stuff we know, and we live in our real life. I don't need a peacemaker telling me that stuff too. <laughs> I don't know, but if any small complaint, that's it. But yeah, so I guess the butterflies could be viewed as not even being villains. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just had They're... their own story. Exactly. So, well, and I agree with you on that being an issue because I am tired of climate change being the reason for everybody to want to do everything i mean you watch a james bond movie and it's like oh the villain wants to save the planet because it's dying because of this or it just seems like it's just a go-to story with our our planet's dying and climate change whether it's why things are falling apart and we're watching tidal wave movies or it's a plot for a sci-fi it just seems like it's always the go-to i mean i feel like even in the superhero genre we've had some of these movies i'm trying to think of some examples off the top of my head in the middle of rambling but it just feels like every movie I watch, I'm going to, and it's like the big bad's motivation is always trying to save the human race from this planet. That's because dying. the rest of us are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Wasn't watch that Wonder Woman 84. Wouldn't that end up being in there? 
I don't even remember. I try to block out Wonder Woman eighty four. Don't watch. Don't look up. Then you won't. You you won't like it if you don't like climate change commentary. That's oh, and all I, I know. I know. I know that that's what that movie's about. So it's one of those things where it's like, do I need to watch this? And I mean, it's one thing if I'm going into it, but when I'm watching like this eight episode show, trying to figure out what these bad guys are up to, and then that's their speech. That's when it's disappointing for me. If I go into watching, don't look up, knowing that it's about that commentary, then that's one thing. But yeah, I don't like yeah. when that ends up just being the same excuse for every villain to do everything. I feel you. I rolled my eyes a little when they did it. I roll. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, though. So they can be viewed as a fun villain. We already talked about White Dragon. I don't know. Can you consider Amanda Waller as a villain a little bit? Because she's the one who kind of put Chris up to this at the beginning. And she was used in the show very sparingly, but her presence was felt throughout the entire thing. I mean, Adebayo's her daughter. Um, she was kind of a plant. And, you know, she came around to to want to do better and not, not, you know, regret the things her mom had been asking her to do. Um, I don't know. And that just kind of leads me in a roundabout way to ask you about the last, one of the last scenes with um, Adebayo's character after everything happens, uh, she comes out as an agent of Argus and says, you know, she basically exposed the suicide squad for what it is for the mm -hmm. first time. So that's got to have major ramifications on the DCEU, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. To answer your question, I really do think Amanda Waller was kind of the big bad. Um, she was heavily, I mean, she was kind of the big bad of the Suicide Squad because that's why they had Economos and Hardcore both of them, yeah. in that movie. Yeah, both of them, but in the James Gunn, the Suicide Squad, you know, I mean, at the end of that movie, Economos and Hardcore basically attacked her because she wanted to blow them all up instead of them going to fight Project Starfish. So, I mean, she kind of got detained by her own people. And they said that in the beginning, that that's why they were part of this team. And they were on this mission with Peacemaker was because they were basically being punished for knocking out Amanda Waller at the end of that movie. And it seems like 100% she's the kind of the bad guy in this one. She was trying to frame Peacemaker by having her daughter plant the, the diary in the room to get him framed for all of this stuff. Um, everything that she did, even though she was like, like you said, very sparingly in it, she really was kind of the bad guy. And she was the one getting her come up. It's at the end yeah. with Edabayu, basically her own daughter, yeah. her own daughter, giving out all of her secrets to the, to the world. And yeah, hundred percent. I don't know where you go with the DCEU in general, which we'll, we'll dive into here in a minute when we get to the finale and the big cameos that popped up in that, but it's kind of, crazy to think of that we still are dealing with the dceu and the same amanda waller and these same characters when they're telling us it's dead all over the place so it's very confusing of where because i don't know where you go from that finale you know in that announcement does that just roll into peacemaker season two and that's it or does that affect if they, they're doing a suicide squad sequel if they're doing a you know, Batman. I mean, I don't know where that ties in because I don't know what the DCEU looks like. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't know how far it reaches. You know, I don't know if this is just the James Gunn verse or does it go into the Snyder verse or is one's dead? I don't know. Yeah. And I think the plan moving forward is clearly Peacemaker 2 was announced, which we were going to talk about, but um, talk about it now, Ed. <laughs> they've also said that uh, there's there could be other spinoff Suicide Squad show suicide squad shows whether that be you know uh, uh what was her name the rat girl whatever or a king shark show i don't know what whatever they want to do they can they can they have kind of the opening to do that stuff now 
I don't think that we can have a proper another Suicide Squad movie the way that we had one before. Like, cause yeah, it's just been exposed. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was kind of like Adebayo's last good deed, basically setting Chris free and making sure that this can't happen to him again. Like Amanda Waller can't do this to him again. She's she's been exposed basically. So doesn't he still have a bomb in his head? Right. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. But uh hope we forget. Yeah, yeah, they're just gonna act like that's not a thing. But um, yeah, man, I guess that does then just bring us to talking about the end of uh end of the season finale, which kind of came out of left field. Well, did it or didn't it? It was, was foreshadowed point. because yeah, uh, Adebayo called her mom and said, hey, we're going to fight these butterflies and yeah. you need to call the Justice League. <laughs> she did say that. And we just kind of laughed at it as like a passing joke, like, ha, 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 Justice League. But then there at the end, man, after, you know, Harcourt's down and, and Chris is carrying her out and everybody's all beat up, Peacemaker and Adebayo, um, we see the silhouettes come down in the distance and you hear the lightning crack and, and, and you see Flash run up and Aquaman, they're all still black. But then the two crazy ones were, oh, my God, is that Superman floating there? Oh, it's Superman and Wonder Woman's off to the side, too. Like, what the hell is going on? And it's just like, OK, they're just going to kind of be in the shadow and Chris will say some joke. And he did say a joke. He was, he was like, you know, you're late, dickheads, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But then all of a sudden, man, right there is is uh, Jason Momoa, like, in his costume. Um, and then also Ezra Miller as the Flash, like clear as day like what they actually got them to do this that was so funny to me and you know they made they made another crude joke about fucking fish which was uh, a joke that chris used earlier in this and it was funny to hear jason momoa swear as aquaman because you'll never see that in any other thing he dropped two f-bombs he did he dropped two f-bombs like i'm so tired of that effing rumor yeah. <laughs> uh, and then f you barry after yeah. As, yeah ezra meller's looking at him like is it a rumor <laughs> So they kind of confirmed that Aquaman screws fish. Right, right, right. At least in James Gunn's twisted mind, he does. But yeah, man, that was kind of a bombshell there. It was fun and funny, but it made you think about what is really going on, especially because of the absence of Batman and Cyborg. That made you think even more about what's going on. Um, I don't know, man. What did you make of all that? Like I said, I really didn't think too much about it at first. It was just kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of funny and just a one off. And yeah, I didn't mind seeing Aquaman drop some F-bombs and crack some jokes. It just seemed very on par for what we were watching. So, I mean, I, I laughed and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And then, yeah, as the world exploded over it happening and everyone having their own opinion on whether or not Aquaman should have, you know, you ruined Aquaman because you made these crude jokes about him and you made him swear and you ruined the character because he said the F word and all the stupid stuff. So then it was like, Oh my God, um, I agree with you. I don't give a shit about any of that, but um, my, my thing came from once again, the DCEU and we understand, we know where there's Aquaman two coming. We know the flash movies coming this year. Um, so we know that those two characters are sticking. Now, obviously, Batman is its own thing. Superman, nobody knows what's coming. So, I mean, Wonder Woman, you assume that there's going to be a three, but who knows where any of that goes. So it still just comes back around to what is the DCEU? Like, what is it? What happens in it? You know, you, they keep telling us it's dead, but then they keep doing shit like this. Yeah, they keep telling us it's dead. And the, the most important stuff to come out of it is people questioning, well, where do you go with Henry Cavill Superman? Nobody knows. There's been, they never made a 
Man of Steel sequel, even though they have they've had opportune chances to do so over the years. And then you just all of a sudden throw him back into this show and like, well, you told us he might not be around anymore, but now you're showing us like not his face, but that's clearly a Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah. And, and like the stand in for that shot. I don't know if you saw this, like came out on Instagram and like showed his costume he was in and it was the Henry Cavill Superman costume. Mm. And then more came from that too, with uh, a guy in the bat in the Ben Affleck Batman costume saying they filmed a scene where Batman and cyborg were in that too. And they've been, they were cut from Mm -hmm. that scene. And so it's like, it makes you question, okay, well then what's going on? Like, is James James Gunn wrote it with all six of them, but then DC might have got a hold of it and said, "Well, no, we're not going to put Cyborg in this. We're not going to put Ben Affleck's Batman in there. We don't we don't know what we're doing with that." So it's it gets very very confusing, man. I I don't I don't know. Just like just just make a Aquaman Flash buddy movie and be done with it or something, because those are the only two that clearly they know what's going on with in the future um what's what's crazy is i was reading something else about that scene and it was funny they said like uh ezra miller's part was actually filmed on the guardians of the galaxy volume three set yeah i saw that too. like he got uh james gunn got permission from marvel to film that cameo there and uh which i thought was kind of interesting and then they said it worked the other way around too because he got warner brothers permission to do a screen test for the actor that played Mern to be in Guardians 3. And right. he did that on the Peacemaker set. So it's just kind of crazy that James Gunn is like bringing these two camps like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's like the tie that binds them together mm-hmm. in this weird way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, but it, it's it's very confusing. Like they don't know, they don't know is 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 the quote unquote gunverse just a continuation, a variation of the Snyderverse. Like he wants to continue having these characters involved. DC obviously okayed the use of this scene. You know, they didn't, they didn't say no to a Henry Cavill silhouette. So it's like, well, what, so what are you doing? Like, does that leave the door open for another Henry Cavill appearance that people seem to want? I mean, I know I do. Yeah. I I would watch it. I wish they would, but so I don't know, man, it's, it was fun, but confusing at the same time. But I'm not I try not to think too hard about it. It was just a fun little scene there at the end. And yeah, it, we'll it's see. just one of those things that they know they have those characters. So let's use them. You know, hey, we know Jason Momoa is Aquaman. We, we haven't seen him in a while. So we'll throw him here in this cameo. It'll be fun. Everyone knows who he is. And we have it'll be it'll be funny. So let's just do it and not think too far. So I'm, I'm trying not to think it. They're not thinking about it. So I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah, those exactly. characters still exist. Yeah, if you would have throw Henry Cavell in there, I mean that would have been awesome. I would have been down with that. So, um, would have freaked out, been like, "That's awesome!" If they would have let him drop an f bomb, I would have been for it. But <laughs> yeah, um, it worked. It worked for what it was, and I, I wasn't expecting it. So it was super. It was a fun cameo that I enjoyed. We can agree. We can agree. Um, yeah, man. So the show just was kind of wrapping up. Everybody's. Everybody's. Everybody's story just kind of wrapped up. We found out that um, Augie is still in Chris's mind. We're seeing him still. So who knows what's going to happen with that? He's like still remembering his father. So yeah, he can't get past the ghost of his father now and haunted by him. Right, right. So that we might be moving forward with that, which is cool, too, because I thought that actor, I can't think of his name right now. Robert Robert Patrick. Right. He did a great job in the role. So. I'm not against seeing him in the future, even if it is just as like an apparition in his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we saw Harcourt, she's still around, she's going to be recovering and out of bios moving on doing her thing. So everybody just kind of peacemaker goes back to living his carefree life with him and vigilante just being douchebags in the woods, blowing stuff up. Um, yeah, man. Golf is still around. Yeah. It was, it was a satisfying conclusion. I mean, realistically, I don't need a, you know, I mean, like it had a satisfactory ending, like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I could have been happy with that ending, but they, they announced season two right before the premiere aired saying we're getting season two of peacemaker with James Gunn, basically set to write and direct the majority of them again. So I'm yeah, for so it. We can look forward to it, man. I'm sure it'll just deal basically be dealing with the ramifications of this season. Uh, some of the fallout of that, maybe we can, actually get more of a character arc for judo master he's like the only one who i still have no idea what the hell he was supposed to be uh he just for except for some fun little action scenes yeah. but uh but some yeah man all in, yeah all in all eating his flaming hot cheetos yep. but all in all all in all i just thought it was a, a great series man it, it and it didn't start as one for me it, it became one you know what i mean it's not a show that from the beginning i thought after watching the first episode i was like i might not watch all this but after i gave it a little time i was like invested and by the end i was just like dude great show i can't like, wait for another episode yeah kudos standing ovation so that's kind of where i stood with it absolutely absolutely i'm pumped for season two i really enjoyed this i really feel like i'm gonna end up watching it again which for anyone knows me, the idea of watching something again is almost unheard of, but I kind of want to see the beginning again, knowing where it goes and see what I missed. And really, since we, I had such a negative feeling towards it and then really turned it around, I'm really curious of where we started. So I'm interested in that and I'm ready for season two. And I, I had a good time, made me laugh. A lot of those, a lot of those running gags were funny and I need to watch the, I know he had, they released a 10 minute blooper reel. I need to go watch. Yeah. I saw that too. That'd be fun to watch. I'm going to hit you with a little bit of a curveball here. Curve it. Okay. DCEU. Include this show in there. So you got all your movies and you got this show. Where's this show rank for you? DCEU. Is it the top spot? Top three? It's easily top three. Okay. Um, I get confused. It's probably two. Man of Steel is the only thing that the dceu really did that i loved mm -hmm. um, i think that movie just does so much right um for the most part and that'd be hard to know if this is better than that right but i can't think of anything off the top of my head since you're curveballing this at me that stood out as a i need you know that would be better than this or that i had yeah. more fun with I agree. And uh, I, we're the same way with, I think man of steel still holds my top spot. Um, but I really ask me a different day. It might go different. Yeah. Yeah. I really did like Zack Snyder's justice league as much as I hate to admit it. Like as a whole, I, I thought that movie was very successful. So that might be in my top three too, but like peacemakers right in here with that. Um, just, it was that good. So I'm as surprised as anyone <laughs> yeah. that, that it was, that it got to that level. So. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even know if I was going to watch um, the idea that it really became one of my go to and something I was actually excited to watch on a weekly basis. Once I got into it, I get in, got into it hard and really talked about it to a lot of people and really was in. I'm, I'm, I'm a Peacemaker head fan. Peacemaker fan. Um, Peacemaker man. And, and, and John Cena, I thought, 
did a great job. As you said, I was very surprised. Never really seen him act too much outside of little comedic cameos or roles. I never sat down and actually watched him do anything major. And I thought he really ran the gamut of emotions in this show. And you really got to feel for that character. And that was a lot of his doing on top of the writing. But I mean, he brought it to life and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, the kid's got a bright future if he wants it. I think so. Coming off of the show, I think this is going to be his break that's going to push him. Yeah, it, it will be. I, I have a feeling so. as well. well. Time will tell. Time will tell, and we will be here to talk about the future of Peacemaker, John Cena, the DCEU that mm. refuses to die, as well as everything else. So you don't want to miss a conversation. So you want to make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this podcast. Hit us up with those five-star reviews so more people can find us and join in with us at Twitter. At Twitter, on Twitter, at Raised at On Twitter. At on too many little numbers and symbols going through my head as I'm trying to keep that all straight with ats and ons and gmails and whatnot. But that's going to do it for us this week. So for Raised a Geek, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for checking out the show where geek is all we speak.